which is called The Science Podcast. And these are a, a couple of atheists that run this podcast. So I thought you'd be interested to hear what they say. This is only one little bit, so like it's over half an hour, and I couldn't play you the whole thing because I'd have to have so many beeps in it bleeping out uh, the expletives. Because you can't pray in the shit's of space! Tonight's episode of the Science Enthusiast Podcast is brought to you by nothing. Because nobody exists on purpose, everybody's going to die, so you might as well listen to our show. Oh, we're doing the full thing now, aren't we? We're doing it, yeah. I want you to oh, I want you to introduce, I've... yeah. I told you I, this before. I but, you, you know. did, and then I forgot yeah, I because I normally do the do the sponsor. But um, hello, and thank you for listening to, or in this case, watching for some of you, the Science Enthusiast Podcast. My name is Dan, and as always, I'm joined by my parenthesis, Dan. Think of something complimentary. I, 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 I'm sorry, I didn't say that in bold. Uh, we can edit that now. I'll dub over it later. Friend Natalie, <laughs> we're also joined by the host of the Real Atheology Podcast, Justin. Is it Scheiber and Ben Watkins? No, it's Justin Schieber. Schieber, and ooh. Watkins and yeah. I'm so okay, bef- yeah, I know. So before we before we talk about Rick and Morty, which is the only reason we're really gathered here today, um, I want to get a little bit of the real atheology backstory, what you guys do, all of that. Um, so I want to start with like, why, how did you meet? I want to know, like, do you have a you have a cute meeting story where you're like we need to make a podcast together i mean dan and i got drunk at nexus in new york and like hung out at taco bell at four in the morning so i, I do was you, belligerent <laughs> do you have that kind of story or was it something way more just like we really want to talk philosophy and religion well, I was, well the first time we thing. met in dc we were belligerently drunk this is true um, no, so I had been doing, uh, I was on the, the um, Reasonable Doubts podcast for a number of years. Um, and then when, once that kind of disbanded, I still had a lot of things I wanted to say and, uh, and um, philosophical interests. And so I started a uh, YouTube channel. And uh, after a while, that just it's just a real pain in the butt to try and do videos and editing and all that stuff. So... Um, and because of my long format of, of discussion, I preferred uh, to do a podcast. And so um, for, uh, what was it, a Reason Rally uh, last year in uh, June, um, Ben and I met through a mutual friend and we ended up hanging out the whole time and, and discovering that we really kind of, uh, we really kind of uh, honed in on a lot of agreement uh, in philosophy of religion and we took it very seriously and we uh, were very interested in the subject and so once I switched to podcast uh, Ben was the obvious choice as a co-host. Awesome. So can you just describe a little bit of what philosophy of religion is and what you try to tackle in your show? Yeah, so um, the philosophy of religion, there's a philosophy of pretty much everything and so religion is is no exception. And so what we do in the philosophy of religion is we ask questions about um, meaning, purpose, um, God, afterlife, things of a religious nature. And so these questions, we think, can have right or wrong answers. And so we um, basically dispense with burdens of proof and follow the arguments wherever they lead. And so we say, okay, here's evidence in one camp and here's evidence in the other what what interesting conclusions can we draw? Can we salvage anything um, from our religious concepts? What concepts do we need to jettison? How do we make progress and move forward? Um, 
And because a lot of people think, uh, oh, philosophy of religion, and they immediately think Christianity or Islam or Judaism, and they leave out all these other traditions, uh, Eastern traditions like Taoism and Buddhism, Confucianism. And then what Justin and I find very interesting, uh, classical theism, just the God, like a God without all the baggage. So an omnipotent, omniscient, morally perfect being who created the universe for a purpose. Um, that's the, that's the concept that we're, that we're really interested in. And we find a lot of, uh, interesting people to dialogue with. Yeah. And I mean, what I find, what I found interesting about listening to your episodes and even just the way that I think both of you engage on Facebook and in comments and all of, you know, cause we know it can just be a fucking dumpster fire, like the internet yeah. and some of these kinds of discussions you can tell, and for anybody who is listening to this who hasn't listened to your show, I mean, it's a very respectful debate style that you guys have, which I think is interesting and unique in, you know, the fiery What we're saying is it's we better in. than what we could do. <laughs> well, it's, it's, cer- it's certainly, yeah, so, because I'm not, I'm not a good arguer myself at all, but, <laughs> but really, I think that that's what makes it stand out. So I'm curious, though, what kind of... What kind of response have you gotten, especially from like atheists, for for having these respectful debates with people who uh, we piss people off on both sides <laughs> all the time? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which I think is a testament. I, I think it's because Justin and I are doing something right. Um, mm-hmm. Where uh, we, t- to give an example, we have come out fairly strongly against the lack of belief definition of atheism. And um, we had to kind of tiptoe around that issue because we know it fires people, uh, fires people in the atheist community up. And um, so we're, we're probably not done feeling the pushback on that. And I'm sure Justin has other examples, too. Well, I think, um, I mean, one of the biggest, I think, issues um, is that we really just want to not be partisans. We don't want to be... Uh, apologists for atheism. I have no interest in, um, I mean, in a sense, we're unavoidably that because we called our show Real Atheology. But we also want to be able to admit when our opponents have evidence in their favor. And so we try to do that. Um, most of the most of the episodes of the show are interviews with various philosophers discussing some of their work, uh, their contributions to philosophy of religion. Uh, we also have a few debates um, and again, the, these are these debates are they uh, they're they're quite respectable and they're 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 uh, they're fair minded. We try and be as fair as possible as we can. Um, and uh, yeah, we just think that that's a kind of approach that that is is a bit lacking at times. And so we we are attempting to fill that little niche. So yeah, yeah, to and, kind uh, of like go deep on those conversations, yeah. right? And in a respectful way to make and the conversations. We're good. kind of looking in, uh, maybe not to change our minds about everything, but I'd certainly, uh, one of the most exhilarating experiences for a philosopher is to find that really good argument. That's, that's the, the, the Holy grail for a philosopher to, to really feel the force of an argument and change your mind in real time. That's something that's really ex- exhilarating. And so, Theists can help us do that in the sense that they ha- their their beliefs are so much different than ours. We we have so much room to 
disagree with that we have the opportunities to find ways that and it, it it you know worst case scenario we end up being theists and if theism's true there's an all-powerful being who cares about us unconditionally and wants us to live with him forever growing ever deeper into a meaningful relationship with him that seems you know that's worst case scenario <laughs> <laughs> You're like so, I'm okay with that. That's, I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think it's false. Ben thinks it's false, but like we we take it seriously. I was going to say it's, it. that's in between times that he's drowning you in five feet of rain in Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Christian God, Christian God's a dick, though. And, well, and well, so those are the yeah. things that we 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 ask ourselves. We say, okay, when we look at these apparently gratuitous evils in the world, like what kind of implications do they have? And and I don't want to speak for justin but i'm fairly confident saying that we both it's pretty decisive in that there just there just isn't this all-powerful perfectly loving being he just someone there are competing hypotheses that can explain the data far better yeah inter-skeptical theism (laughs) yeah 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 so which if 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 we talk about that it's it's going to be all we talk about all night because that's (laughs) that's about the dumbest sounding (laughs) Entitled for something that I think I've ever heard, but certainly uh, not the best name for it. But it's the apparently the one that's stuck. <laughs> which which is all which is I feel like all I need to know about it. It was coined by an atheist, <laughs> oddly enough. By the way, it, oh. <laughs> well, an being an atheist does not make you intelligent. Well, this one was, but anyways, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> that's besides the point. <laughs> but so okay, so discussions of philosophy, religion, all of that. So kind, of, I I'd listened to some episodes of your podcast and seen, especially you, Ben, what you have posted on Facebook over the months, where I I see Rick and Morty memes coming through my Facebook feed. I'm like, oh, I want to do a Rick and Morty episode. Who can we ask these guys? <laughs> The uh, the obvious choice. Let's bring the guys who do a very respectable, wonderful show to about talk about a, a drunk grandpa Let's bring who, them to, who... To, to to this. They, well, we, atheism we're, and we're science are two yeah. big themes in Rick and They are so it so makes so much sense. We invited you to this together. shit show. Yeah, we we decided to <laughs> to bring you here. Um, and so I guess what. Where do where do we start? I mean, do we start with kind of? We can start with God's atheism. I, Want to start with atheism? Let's start it's, there. It's it's in the very first scene of the very mm-hmm. first episode. I mean, Rick tells Summer right that there is no God. You got to rip that bandaid off. Um, the show starts off with very heavy atheistic undertones. It's it's unapologetic about it, and it says it right out from the front and. You see it as a theme throughout the show. Um, you see Rick's existential struggle. And at times it seems like, you know, oh, he might believe that there is this God or he doesn't believe that there is this God. And then there's times where he's mad at this imaginary God. Um, there's one episode where he meets a literal Satan but then exposes him for the fraud that he is. <laughs> right. So there's all kinds of different atheistic themes. Yeah, underlying <laughs> the latest episode. Underlying the one. entire show is is the kind of uh, the absence of God and and a kind of a wrestling with whether or not the implications of that are are bad. Um, traditionally, we've associated 
um, some of the deepest aspects of human life with religious ideas. So morality, uh, what it means to have a fulfilling life, to find meaning in one's life. Typically, we've religion has played that role, but but since kind of since the modern world, that that kind of explanatory role that God has traditionally played has has kind of been um, uh, exported to the sciences. Um, and there are implications to that. Uh, some people think that the implications are that uh, there can be no uh, meaning in life, there can be no kind of fulfilling life to, li to live, there can be no um, uh, real like objective fact of the matter of whether or not something is a good thing to do, you know, does morality fall apart at the, at the death of God? Um, these are these are questions that have been debated for for centuries, and um, this show adds a layer of humor onto it, and it's a it's fascinating for that reason and others, of course. It laughs at the void. Yes, it does. It does. It does laugh at the void, <laughs> and and I think it's that sort of relatable thing where, you know, I mean, I I feel like I've seen it a lot lately, even on social media. People like you know. There's, there's no meaning. How do you kind of get through the day sort of thing? And, and I think that it is, this show is kind of about figuring out a little bit of that quest for, for meaning in the world and, and laughing at it and knowing that, I mean, there's no, we're not here for any purpose. There, you know, there's no, there's no God that has given us like a particular purpose or anything, but how do we, you know, Right. What what Just motivates us? It. What what yeah. uh, mm -hmm. you know, as they say, what what gets us out of bed in the morning? Right? Is mm -hmm. well, yeah. how do we deal with uh, searching for meaning in a universe that is silent? That's not going to respond to our searches for meaning. And uh, my guy Albert Camus, that's his whole philosophy that ends up being a theme in Rick and Morty is absurdism. And absurdism is is the belief that that look we we are beings that constantly seek meaning, but we are constantly going to fail mm -hmm. at that. We're never going to find the meaning because the universe is silent. And so one of Camus' famous questions is, should I kill myself or have a cup of coffee? And what he's saying is, look, if I don't have a reason to go on, I can always just kill myself. And so that whatever reason, however you answer that question, if you say, okay, should I kill myself or should I have a cup of coffee? If you choose the cup of coffee, you're saying, okay, there's, I, there was some reason why you chose that coffee. That reason is your, <coughs> is your meaning. And you have to pretend like that, that's what's going to make you happy. And so this is his analogy of the myth of Sisyphus, uh, Sisyphus being a, a Greek god who would constantly roll a boulder up a hill only for it to roll back down once it reached the top. And so he uses this as an example. He's like, look, this is exactly like humans in this indifferent universe trying to find meaning. It's just like Sisyphus pulling that rock. And then when we think we found it, we really haven't. It's just that the rock just rolls back down and we have to do it all over again. And so that's what Camus means when he says we have to imagine Sisyphus happening. But if we can find small so, delights in the movements required to move that rock up the hill... Then sometimes moving yeah, the rocks exactly. is is good for its own sake, even if it's a continual toil. 
Mm-hmm. And so the person that can do that, Camus calls the absurd hero. He's the person that can, he accepts the indifference of the universe. He accepts his role in it. He accepts that he's not going to fight. He, he's going to suffer. There is no intrinsic meaning. And he laughs at it. He loves it. He thinks that it's the best thing that could happen to him. And so Rick is a figure who's who wanes kind of between this absurd hero and Nietzsche's Ubermensch. Yes. I won't go too much into the Ubermensch. Yeah. I'll let I'll let Justin <laughs> handle that well, one. Um Well, so here here's what's interesting. I mean, this notion that that without God that, you know, it should be a, a rather deplorable existence. Um it's interesting there's there's a kind of analogy in the show with this. Um if we don't have purpose for our lives, you know, we're, are we going to drive ourselves crazy? Think about the Mr. Meeseeks, right? Um mm-hmm. these little cre- creatures that that Rick creates um and they just come into existence, serve a basic purpose, a, a task, a simple task, and if they can't do it, they they exist until they can do it. Um, and if they and if it's something that uh, if their if their intrinsic powers are are incapable of of completing that task, then they their existence just becomes this this horrible thing. Um, but should it be? You know, what if these little Meeseeks characters ventured to form relationships with each other that they found meaningful in their own right, um, rather than exist for some external externally imposed reason some purpose from some other agent um they rather took life by the for lack of a better term here by the balls and actually did something with it that that they found deeply satisfying it just isn't sorry go ahead no sorry um one of the brilliance of this show is how if to use the Meeseeks example um if you take Camus absurdism and you and you flip it you just insert you so you have us as creatures that are fumbling through the world looking for meeting and don't exist for a solitary purpose but then you look at the Meeseeks and he even says he's he's like look we're created for a for a solitary purpose which we'll go through any length to fulfill we don't go through the world fumbling for meeting. And so kind of the axis that this flips on, the premise that stays the same in both cases is existence yeah, is pain. Yeah. And so the Meeseeks see that see the existence as a pain as the reason to do their solitary purpose, whatever it is. For us, it's for trying to find that meaning. Uh, Nietzsche famously said... Um, to live is to suffer, but to survive is to find some meaning in the suffering. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to find that meaning. Whereas the Meeseeks is trying to find a way to disappear. Well, and I was going to say, I think without, without, without meaning, I think it's sort of empowering to try to find your own and find something to, you know, the reason to keep pushing the rock up the hill or whatever, and and not just live because you have some you know predetermined purpose. In one of those episodes, there was um that like butter robot, and yeah. and all like it's Pass only the butter. yeah that that's all that's all it was there for, and because 
that was the purpose given to it and defined to it. And I mean, imagine living a life like that where you just think or you have just one one purpose and that's it. And that's shit. Well, you can well, you can contrast that with Rick and say, mm-hmm. OK, well, here's someone who can do anything whenever he wants. And he's extremely depressed. He's an alcoholic. He's not happy. So you have this. That's why he says to the past the butter robot, he says, welcome to the club, pal. <laughs> Didn't matter what hand they were dealt. They still go, you still left going, oh my God, nothing matters. So there's Rick. So then where, where does Morty come into this? Like, are they, are they two sides of, of all of us or? So Morty is human angst. Morty is all of the parts of us that when we're, when we face this void, when we face this, this meaningless universe, it's a very intimidating spectacle and so that's why morty is all you know he's, he's always hesitant to make certain moves he's always shy in, in, in certain other areas but he's the part that always goes along with rick he's the it's, it's it's rick has this crazy relationship with with morty in that he he kind of thinks he's a piece of shit and he gets on his nerves but he has this strange connection to it and that that mirrors kind of the human condition in that we have all these anxieties and these worries but they're about things that we we kind of like we wouldn't be ourselves without those and so if you're going to have this character like rick who's so far removed from the average human person you know again he's kind of like this uber much he can do anything he wants whenever he wants he just has to want to do it um You've got to have something to kind of to con- contrast with that and bring it back down, bring it br- br- uh, to, to to make the the characters more relatable. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Batman has his Robin, um, Superman, and Lois Lane. You know, Lois Lane is is the human character that it brings mm-hmm. those characters back down to earth. Yeah, he, he's he's kind of a foil against which the kind of wild raucousness of Rick can be played out. Um, a yeah, conscience. yeah. I mean, he, it's this this bizarre kind of contrast that exists there. Um, with regard to, like, if we were to buy into the notion that, like, religion is for the weak-minded, um, all this stuff, we might think, well, okay, shouldn't Morty be the the religious character in this show, right? It, um, kind of plagued by these insecurities um, and all this self-doubt. Um, doesn't that kind of fit the, you know, what we would want to think of as like the stereotype of religious people that, you know, use religion as a crutch, right? Um, but he's kind of made, he's kind, he's kind of had his face rubbed in the, the, the void essentially by Rick, right? He, he's unable to, um, kind of reach out to that kind of religious sensibility. He's unable to get in contact with that because his uncle is just <laughs> violently showing him the way reality is, and it's it's uh, grandfather, it's, or yeah, it's terrifying for him in that way. So, and they're like they're connect like they have to be connected don't they rick and morty like they're they don't have to be as long as rick has that character to contrast so there's episodes where um rick goes on an adventure with jerry and morty stays back with his mom so like you do it doesn't have to be rick 
by himself. But Jerry um, plays a similar time, role, though. Rick with Morty. Jerry all is the time. an adult. Jerry what? plays a similar role as Morty, though. Um, he's the adult. He Morty. does, but in a different. He he just yeah yeah, and just kind of the right. piece of shit loser part that like we all kind of know a Jerry, or we all kind of are a Jerry in a way, and it's that part of you know ourselves. We just go, oh god damn it, he's talking mm. again. Okay, here we go. <laughs> And you you know that whatever whatever he's going to say is just going to be incredibly stupid or just incredibly corny, and but that's just the way he is, and that's just how some people are. And um, Jerry at times there there's one episode that I really like where at the end of the episode, um, Rick tries to kill himself and fails because he's too drunk to pull it off, and he's just broken up with a hive mind. <laughs> So he had like everything going for it. And Jerry just wanted his weed eater. And so at the end of the episode, Rick is passed out from a failed suicide attempt bro- and with a broken heart from a hive mind. Jerry has his weed eater and he just he's just happy. He's just content. He's just going on about his... And so that's... Weed eating the driveway, no less. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... That's an interesting way of showing that it, it, it's again kind of the pass the butter robot and Rick comparison where you can see like, look, it doesn't matter what hand you're dealt. You could end up being very happy or you could end up being very miserable. It's it's just you got you got to have something to dangle the jingly keys in front of you to keep yourself entertained and yeah, I, 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 and when, eyes on the and prize. Rick, when Rick didn't, when Rick didn't feel like he had it anymore, he said, "Okay, instead of having this cup of coffee, I'm just going to kill myself." Oh, so he he really he faced that. He, I yeah, mean, he well, hates so, coffee so, more than I do. I think, we, I think that's, <laughs> that's established here. <laughs> so, so absurdism is is a very very so uh, when it, the first show first came out, uh, existentialism and absurdism are kind of two. Very similar philosophies, but they, they, they branch off in important ways. And because existentialists believe that you can create meaning in the world, that there's ways for you to do that, whereas the absurdist says no, that you, that you can't do that, the rock's going to fall down. You can try to create the meaning, but it's ultimately going to get you nowhere. And so if, if you pay attention, like in the Szechuan sauce, episode you think that rick has done something very profound he's 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 had this altruistic act towards his family and he's gonna this is some way that's going to create his meaning and then he goes no my one-armed man is the szechuan sauce and you go what that doesn't make any sense And and that's the point it's an absurdist yeah it's it could it could be it's it's not about some condiment from the late 90s at mcdonald's it could have been anything in that slot. It's just it. None of it matters in the end, anyways. And all that meaning that you thought Rick was creating, and that the, the direction that the show and the comp- character growth that was going to progress, it just never happened. It just never materialized. We, instead, we got you know corny jokes about Szechuan sauce. <laughs> well, and and I think even then, like, you can kind of get back to the jingly keys. You gotta like, and we all do this. We look for things to try to synthesize our own happiness. Like if you have a shitty job, you instead of I mean, 
you want to be pissed off at it and and sad at work all the time, but then you you find something to hold on to to find value in. So just to just to survive, just to make it through the day, uh, even if even if that is you know, well now it's Friday, I don't have to go to work tomorrow. So that's that's what I that's what I'm working towards. That's how I'm going to be happy. Now I have two days away from this cesspool of a building that I have to stay at for 40 hours a week. We will be right back after a short break. And remember, if you would like an ad-free listening experience, you can become a patron right now at patreon.com slash TSE podcast to get access to early episodes and commercial-free episodes. So this is a great place to transit. I've been talking about Camus and absurdism for a while. Justin, why don't you step in and talk about values? Um, Nietzsche is uh, the, he's the other big elephant in the room. Yeah. I'll let you He's he's in the Google Doc, so please <laughs> go for it. <laughs> so so I think most people are familiar with this, you know, I think most people associate the name Nietzsche with with uh, with the God is dead, the the parable of the madmen. Um I'll just quote from it real real briefly here. God is dead, God remains dead and we have killed him. How shall we comfort ourselves, the murderers of all murderers? What was holiest and mightiest of all that the world uh, has yet owned has bled to death under our knives. Um, then it goes on to ask, um, and this has to do with, you know, what, what do we do now, right? It asks, um, what festivals of atonement, what sacred games shall we have to invent? Is not the greatness of this deed too great for us? Um, the notion here is is again the kind of existentialist uh worry that once God is out of the picture we have to we're we're faced with a decision do we construct our our value system independent of what we have to that point seen as the moral assumptions of the world a kind of christian at least in the western world uh a kind of christian uh, value system underlying all, all of all of yeah slave what what Nietzsche called slave morality and so the Ubermensch uh, is this notion of this 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 kind of overman um, overman who's just supposed to essentially just say yeah that's what we're gonna do we're going to construct a value system and just uh, find ways to make life worth living essentially yeah and so in so in the show taking that idea into account who do you who do you think represents that idea oh rick definitely rick absolutely it is right rick is the overman okay, so so he so he's there to kind of well, yeah so he just going, he right? just spits on the common morality of everyday yeah people and he sees him as something that's great that's that's great and so something like morality is something that would hold rick back mm-hmm. um and so that's what he wants to he would he wants to do away with and that that's a very ubermensch attitude yeah. now i found that if you guys all watched the most recent i did just a couple hours show, ago yes everybody so, so I, I mean, I the one about toxins for all those listening. Episode toxins. six, yes. Season three. And just, yeah, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Go on for everybody. <laughs> so, so, just so that one. Thinking about kind of all of these different pieces that make up people, kind of the good, the bad, the toxic 
for lack of a better word, to see Rick in this episode just kind of become a little bit of a different person. And it was was kind of like kind of interesting to me. And I don't know, um, just I don't know, just kind of how he changed a little bit in how he was interacting with. He didn't have jaundice anymore. He didn't have. He didn't have that. No, and he and then he had his whole like boogery looking person stuck in a vault somewhere. (laughs) So the like the toxic part of him that went that left is that like is that represented by any of these kind of schools of thought or philosophies? Like is that kind of the I don't know. What do you think? Nihilist part. What do you you think, Ben? because I, um, I was just—I was curious. So I, th- I think it's—I think it's—it's the part of hu- so these were the parts of human nature that you would rather, if you could discard, you'd think that you would want to get rid of them. That if mm-hmm. we could just step into a machine and get all of the quote-unquote bad things out, that would—that would be a good thing. And so Rick at one point says, you know, how does the mis- the um, machine distinguish between what's good and what's bad? Well, it can't. Um, and what he's trying, what he's driving at is that look, these toxins are part of who they are. If you take them out, you're going to have yeah. a different person. These are the, like all, all of our flaws, all of our vices, um, all of our faults. All of these shape who we are as people, and you couldn't just rip them out without having serious ramifications. And so there becomes. This question, uh, uh, Rick even explicitly poses it. He says, you know, well, what if these other things became sentient? What, you know, what kind of obligation would you have towards this thing then? Because because Rick's very adamant about, you know, putting this thing back in them, whereas Morty's right. like, Morty's, ah, Morty finally has the confidence he has. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's very much enjoying yeah. it. Yeah. <clears throat> And so Rick doesn't really like the person that he's become because of this situation, this this event, whereas Morty has. And so you kind of, it was just it was a uh, a different way of playing with the nature of persons. And um, I you you better stop me right <laughs> there because the the conversations on personal identity <laughs> I could go on all night. Well, okay, so I'm I'm curious just for you guys on a on a personal level if. If you could go into a machine and take what you perceive as the bad shit away from you, would you do it? Or do you accept oh the idea that we are we are the sum total of all of our experiences, good and shitty and whatever, and you move forward with that? I'm just I'm just curious. I think something something guys. Sith absolutely. So, so there's something, a different there, there's there's a number of ways one could parse that that question. There's the notion of having uh, you know, being the person who I am today, would I uh, alter myself in this moment and live the rest of my existence in a a new uh, way um, in which I kind of shed those uh, d- deplorables from my person? Um, <clears throat> or there's the question of would I have rather been a pers- a different person from the beginning? Um, those are Dude, I don't know. I don't know how to answer those questions. Those are too. There's too many things well, at play. See, I'm, I'm, I'm asking too, too, too many things. Okay, so many variables so, at play. So you're, so you're, <laughs> you're not answering, Broadbent. What about you? 
Oh, I, I, what are you, what are, I, what are you doing in my? You're, you didn't listen. All right, Ben. What are you doing? No, I said I I, I contributed. I said something something Sith absolutes. I think it's 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 not a valid question to say. Well, I'm gonna get yeah, rid of all the bad things. Like I I have multiple things that I would change about myself if if possible. But uh, some of those things also. Uh, keep me entertained and keep me from going crazy on a daily basis. So I, I, I think you can't. I mean, of course, it's the the entire purpose of it is of the exercises. Would you do it or not? But I, I mean, you have to fall somewhere in the middle on, on uh, not getting rid of everything because, like, like Rick was. I mean, he was just fucking yeah. bored. You will, you will <laughs> never, fundamentally never change yeah. who you are. You got yeah, to that absolutely. point. Like, I mean, I, th- I think we can all identify certain aspects of our um of our behavioral tendencies of our you know just just general dispositions that we might like to take a kind of personality scalpel to uh and remove um you know like you know if someone is plagued with self-doubt all the time or if someone um you know is bad at relationships or something there's there's all these different kind of things or has like ADD <laughs> yeah, yeah or or something like that some sort of dis- uh, we're, we're not having an intervention for me please we're not having an intervention who, for me right <laughs> here. like self-doubt bad relationships ADD like come on yeah I mean there's there's obviously there's there's going to be people who um you know fall on all sorts of spectrums of of how happy they are with themselves and so there's always going to be that that kind of interesting flirting with that idea but yeah, to, to purge ourselves of all things that we associate with, um, you know, that we associate negatively with, uh, that would be a, a really dangerous thing because you don't know how those affect other aspects of your person. Uh, so, for example, um, I mean, some, some of these uh, negative tendencies of, of human beings in general served extremely important purposes in, in our evolutionary development, right? Um, the fact that we're so, um, so, uh, our groupishness is so intense. The fact that we associate with our, our kin and we, we have less empathy for, um, for non-kin members, uh, in other ways in which we identify groups and then out groups in groups, all that stuff. All those things are, um, manifesting themselves in incredibly toxic ways, political, social, um, religious, uh, all these different aspects of our, of our ways, which we divide up our populations of the world are incredibly damaging, but at the same time, they were necessary in our, our early, uh, development. They served an important purpose. So it's interesting how these things in different contexts are incredibly good or incredibly bad, depending on where the, you know, where the goal is essentially. And I think it's interesting that a cartoon brings up a lot of these topics. Yeah, and about and dick and fart jokes. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that the important stuff, and then and then you get thinking about what everything means and all of that, and that's why I think it's like it's such a fucking intelligent show. It's like South Park in that in that sense. It, it's it's one of the you think that it's going to be just slapstick comedy or crude comedy, mm-hmm. but in fact, it's got really deep themes. It's all well, of the above. Yeah, and that's what it is. Yeah. It's all of it. It's all of those things. And that's why part of it is fascinating to me because it resonates with so many people, this show. And even when I asked in a Facebook post, you know, 
to, you know, our friends, whatever. Why do you guys like this show? People were writing like, paragraphs about why this show. <laughs> I remember that post. Resonates with them. And, and it was, it was just cool to see that something that, you know, it, it, there's just ridiculous jokes, absurd plot lines, all these, you know, infinite universes, all just crazy stuff. But then you kind of get these little gems of knowledge and wisdom from an alcoholic scientist. You know, and a lot and of bullshit too. And a lot of bullshit like, too. And so it's all of it. Like Schrodinger's cats. And I'm like, that, that it's not that <laughs> kind of uncertainty. That's that's not how the uncertainty <laughs> principle works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I guess again, another question for you guys, all of you, is what what about this show resonates with you from especially from your point of studying philosophy and all of that what what grabs you about this kind of thing the questions it raises so yeah. one of um one of the uh, a famous i think it was socrates who said it was like i can't teach anyone anything i can only make them think i think it might have been mm -hmm. aristotle i can't remember which greek it was but it was one of them and what he's getting at is is that it sometimes takes in, in, to get people to care about deep questions, sometimes it takes creative ways of getting people to, to ask themselves those questions. Art has traditionally been one of the best mediums for doing that. And this is just one of those, just another iteration of how to raise deep existential questions. Um, because I think our answers to these questions matter a great deal to how our life is going to go. And so this is, instead of having a feel-good comedy or, you know, romantic sitcom sort of thing, it just says, look, shit's crazy and shit's going to keep being crazy and there's nothing you can do about it. Come watch TV. It kind of, it, it's, it's a way of laughing at the void. It's a healthy outlet to deal with existential dread, which everyone experiences. So I found um, a quote from Dan Harmon, who's the co-creator of the show. And if I can just read that, because I think that that kind of sums up what you are, kind of, are saying here. So he said, we have this fleeting chance to participate in an illusion called, I love my girlfriend, I love my dog, you know, whatever. Knowing the truth, which is that nothing matters, can actually save you in those moments. Once you get through that terrifying threshold of accepting that, like you said, nobody exists on purpose, nobody belongs anywhere, everybody's going to die. You know, come watch TV. Then every place is the center of the universe and every moment is the most important moment and everything is the meaning of life. So that's, you know, one of the creators of the show putting that out there. And I think that there's, I mean, I feel like for me, that makes sense. That's how I want to live my life, that nothing matters, but kind of everything does because we can create our own meaning and it's important to create meaning and not just you know say fuck it i'm gonna kill myself like i want to have coffee <laughs> yeah yeah like so i i'd, sure, I'd I rather think have the show coffee. serves as a kind um, of uh trojan horse in a way um i mean on the surface level you have these you know zany bizarre characters that have all these wild adventures and and so you're gonna you're gonna get a broad um you're going to have a broad demographic be interested in this kind of, you know, this silly cartoon with all these interesting characters. Um, 
But then once the Trojan horse gets into your brain and it opens up and forces you at gunpoint to wrestle with these questions, um, that's the show. It's holding you hostage to these things and um, it makes you take them seriously. And so people who perhaps haven't really thought about these issues before are are kind of without knowing it they're they're interacting with these issues um in the context of what they thought was just a silly show now they're thinking about the death of god they're thinking about um you know all these different things yeah. uh what and even about even more yeah. mundane existential questions too. uh so justin and i are have both been enamored with what's called the hard yeah. problem of consciousness <clears throat> well when you try to explain this to other people it's 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 a very difficult um concept to explain about how you know the what it's likeness to you know have an orgasm or eat chicken pretty much the or, same thing you know yeah <laughs> um there you know there's there's a what it's likeness to do certain things and we you know what what is this thing that we call conscious experience and that gives rise to sentience and in one of the episodes um you see a robot morty kind of go away from his programming and go no mother i love you these are no longer just words and like i want to you know i want to eat yeah. ice cream but not just let it slide down my throat and and so like he's yeah. he's saying all these things that you know he's he's feeling these real feelings and he wants to yeah. have these real conscious experiences and so it forces us to ask ourselves you know what are the ethical implications of creating a conscious being like this all of a sudden are there ethical issues with unplugging computers if they become conscious or or is it even you know, possible these are just these are very abstract questions and, and yeah other than biologically yeah organically. is it even possible to make right. a robot yeah um and most people aren't gonna just stumble across these questions yeah, just in they, their everyday they need life to, and you're they not need to gonna be see kind of it snuck in through the back door right and that's what this is what i think rick and morty does it, yeah it, it again forces people to wrestle with these issues that wouldn't perhaps otherwise have done so. But that's good art though, isn't it? it that makes people think. It's gorgeous art. And I mean, it, in a, in a way it's, it's 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 art in the way that other shows just can't compare to. Well, and you and Justin when you said it it kind of holds you hostage. I mean, I didn't watch Rick and Morty until this summer when I visited Dan in Indiana, we binge watched season one one night, season two because the second there's night. There's nothing else to do in Indiana. So we we drank and watched Rick and Morty, but it was the kind of thing where, like, you never know when you're watching something or listening to something or reading something. It's just kind of the like the perfect time, you know. And for me, Rick and Morty, oddly enough, this cartoon came at the, like the perfect time for me where I needed something like that. To, to think about some stuff and, you know, was going through some shit. And this strange little cartoon made some stuff make sense and move past the bullshit into, yeah, you know, nothing means anything, but I'm going to find some meaning. So it's... It yeah, is just don't really, think about it. Right. Just don't think about it. And, it, and it, all it took was this fantastic, brilliant piece of, of art to do that. 
And that's what's cool is something that gets conversations started and also creates really great internet memes and stuff. But it's it's that it goes beyond the meme, you know, because I think anybody on the internet can kind of see, oh, Pickle Rick, whatever, that's hilarious and weird. But then you get into it. Great. Now you're going to have people so like, yelling much... in the comments, Pickle Rick. Yeah. <laughs> but there's so much more to it. And that's what's cool because Absurdism. we are this. It is. And we're I, just... love, I love that episode and, and it, uh, and, with and Pickle Rick. Well, no, the one, uh, the one in this season uh, where he has to kind of uh, make use of a dead rat's body. By like picking at the brain in certain spots and like bringing about certain movements, it's fucking <laughs> yeah. amazing. I thought that was so great. And then he like just through through his ability to yeah. use his tongue—that's the only part he has power over. Uh, he's able to create like a you know a xylophone of movements. He even admits he says he's like, "Look, when things happen that I don't like, I just change the world." And I was like, that "That's is, the Uberman. Yep. That's Nietzsche. Just lassoing like it. Like, like he's just like if yeah, I just I just change the world." Like, <laughs> I think we like should something. talk more about how he used his tongue. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> well, we... I wanted. So the the no, big burning question podcast, for sorry. me is: is like all of a sudden all these robot machinery started like installing stuff onto his pickle body? Did he build <laughs> yeah, all that machinery? He did. Well, no, he with used his tongue. He and used. The brain? Yeah. Wouldn't it have just been easier to install those arms? Well, he he, he didn't foresee it. See, this is why you're thinking too much. Don't don't think about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. So once he was in a situation where he couldn't I forget what it was, but he wasn't able to bring himself back to normal. So he had to like manipulate his environment through the one movement he had power over, which was his tongue. And engineering has ruined cinema in a way like this for me because i remember watching the very first iron man and i had just taken my microcontrollers class like programming and i and so tony stark's like programming this robot i was like oh bullshit no way could he program all that by himself and like and i feel like i had that moment with rick when i was like oh bullshit he didn't build all that machinery himself (laughs) so it's it's fucked up iron man and pickle rick for you so God damn it. Well, Engineering. Pickle Rick is a play. Uh, the, that scene is a pet play on both John Wick and Iron Man. So when, remember just, when he like comes out of the toilet the and then yeah. lands on one? That's Iron Man. Oh, yeah. The, it is. It's that like superhero landing. Yep. Right? That's, just, that, that was a tri- like those. <laughs> that's a tribute to Iron Man. And uh, Selenia, that, that's the Russian word for pickle. There was I can't remember what it was, but in John Wick they called him something. It was a Russian word for whatever. And I was like, I was like, oh, this is I get what they're <laughs> doing here. All the references, and that and that's yeah. the thing. It just it so it many obscure pulls, references. Yeah, and it pulls from so many places that it well, is. Well, I really Cronenberg up the world. Yeah, it's just it's <laughs> universally appealing, and everybody who has that little bit of weird sensibility about anything in life and also is whether you know aware of it or not searching for some kind of meaning this show is perfect or you can just laugh at the jokes like it's it's the kind of the perfect show for anybody who well if anybody who's you know, a fan has good taste well if anybody's just a fan insulted of like everybody, a yeah. philosopher by the name of uh, red grin grumble um they're really gonna like this show it covers a lot of the same themes he wrestles with <laughs> 
that was that was that uh, was good because you just you made you like that, that up. Like that red green grubble that was, reference that was a, there. That was a really you you slipped that in nicely, and I was wondering if you I were going to do it. that at at some point. So, yeah, I have so no shame. Everybody could could go well and played, sir. Yeah, well look played. up that. Yeah, that that really was. I mean, I I I don't even know that there's like many places to go after you after you did for that. For everyone who doesn't who's watching this and doesn't get that reference, yeah. I don't feel sorry for you. Not one bit. You guys, you just got to let it go in the background. You can't talk about the reference after it's been made. You've ruined it. <laughs> we well <clears throat> That's right. We, but we well, did. We did explain it. So that's at least a point. For us, like we've lost a point, we've gained a point, we've broken even. I'm, I, I can live with that. Net, net even. Yeah, I think, I go. think we're okay with that. Yeah. So I, I, I think. Um, I mean, I don't even know where where to go after that because you, <laughs> you just what options nice, do we there, have? There's, there's. <laughs> I don't know if there are any good options. I, I, I mean, know that though. The one thing that I had left on my list about talking was the giant oh, heads. Yeah, yeah, oh, Ben. Yeah. Giant heads that yes. come. So Justin and I uh, have rigorously defended over the past rigorously few defended. years or so what's called the hypothesis of indifference, and so the so hypo- you rigorously, you depend- rigorously defended, defended this it. Hypothesis. Yes, yes. So this is no such idea that <laughs> yeah. is this sure. hypothesis that uh, that no um, that the, that neither the condition nor the uh, the well-being of sentient creatures uh, is the result of um, male- malevolent or beneficent uh, actions by any kind of being. Right. So it's a kind of middling. It's an in, it's an indifference. It's a moral indifference. Our the way in which we are is has come about through morally indifferent processes. Yeah, and so it, it, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a hypothesis perfectly consistent with atheism and many other views, um, but it's a, it's a rather modest hypothesis, and it has, I think, a lot of explanatory power. And so you can have a being that's like God, that's perfectly loving or perfectly moral and all-powerful, but there's there's other options on the table. You could have an all-powerful God who's indifferent, or you could have an all-powerful God who's perfectly evil, and obviously a, a range in between. Well, the the heads episode um, confronts us with that uh, hypothesis of indifference. We're visited by beings from another world that don't. No, they do. Give a it's a reality TV us. show. In fact, we're there to entertain them. Exactly. Well, so if <laughs> their their interest in us is only in in the ways in which we can entertain them. And if we can't entertain them, they'll entertain themselves by blowing us up. And so, so ba- basically what you get is you get this combination of these so so instead of this perfectly loving god that we that we no, would want to think, there's this indifferent being who could possibly be malevolent. And then they they create this whole religion around it based on poor reasoning, mm. uh, correlation, causation, <laughs> reasoning sort of things. And when in reality, there was nothing right. there. It was, it, was, it was completely indifferent to us. And so that was a parallel to our world. It's saying that, look, what if, 
what if the universe isn't different, which obviously is an assumption Rick and Morty's creators make when they write it's a theme throughout the show. What if what if the universe really is just indifferent to And us? all the it's, religious it's movements of the world like are mistakes in correlation causation reasoning. Not crazy irrational mistakes, understandable mistakes for the people of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but nevertheless get mm-hmm. out of control. And that could be the case even if we had if even if we could see the god in front of us. So like uh Justin and I also defend what's called the hiddenness argument, which is, you know, god is being hidden and, and all perfectly good god, a perfectly loving god wouldn't be hidden like that. Well, these these beings aren't hidden. They're in plain view, yet people still develop these false theology completely false false theologies about them and so this was just sort of a manifestation of yeah it it was it was a it was it was people searching for meaning in an indifferent universe and they pushed that rock all the way up to the hill and then the aliens left and that Rock fell all the way back down, and that 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 whole religion, everything they had created, just collapsed right underneath them. Well, at least it didn't take two thousand years. But so okay, so I have. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so to, I guess to kind of wrap all this up, I'm just going to ask you guys another question because why not? Because this is more just the show, you know, talks a lot about meaning or lack of. Where do you guys find meaning Ooh. in your lives? Yeah, philosophy. Philosophy. Or what? what is the, yeah. Love, philosophy. That's, that's pretty much it, yeah. Love and philosophy. And just, just getting in, I think that this is broadly applicable. You find any activity that you genuinely can immerse yourself in um, and enjoy uh, where you get so deep into it that you lose track of time. If you're doing something and you lose track of time, Passion. You, you, it's a generally a good sign that you're on to something um, that's really good for you as a person. Find something you love to yeah. do and let it fucking and kill you. And for some people, that's philosophy. For others, that's... Um, uh, uh, well, it, it, you know, take your pick. Anything, really, in the world. Um, and uh, yeah. those are the kinds of things that uh, that can be those motivations to to put your feet on the ground in the morning and stand up, get out of bed, do something. Find, yeah, find the things, the activities, the, and the people, I think, that make you want be to your overman. get out of bed in the morning. And I like that. So <laughs> where on the internet can people find you guys, promote anything you want to promote sure. as we uh, so bring this to an end? We're primarily a podcast, um, and you can find this podcast on iTunes just by a simple search of Real Atheology. You can find our website at realatheology.com. We also have a Twitter account, which is um, predictably at Real Atheology, and a Facebook page, and we regularly interact on all those. Yes. And a YouTube um, channel. And so, yeah, if anybody enjoyed this, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, if anybody's interested in philosophy of religion, taking it seriously, uh, rather than just, you know, making fun of religious people, um, then we want to we wanna, we wanna have you on, on uh, and talk about stuff. So, 
Yeah. You guys are doing great stuff. It's a really great podcast. I We always end with a um, quote of the week on our show. And so I don't think there's anything better to say than just there you don't go. think about it. <laughs> Forget everything we just said. There we go. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> they already did. They already did. It's a if they're still listening, they doesn't they already doesn't matter right. anyways. It doesn't matter. Nothing well, matters. Right. That's don't uh, think same, about it. The same conversation. I, uh, but, well, I don't. I don't know that Marsh even read it. But the same thing I said to Marsh earlier today on Twitter is he's lamenting that he doesn't understand emojis and it's the the fact that you're you're thinking about it in the first place means you don't understand there emojis is no understanding and how they're used <laughs> there's right, just the participation exactly. and then i think I even natalie fell into that trap she's like well you uh, somebody you use the football i didn't know it was a fucking year old, football but i at least know what emojis are <laughs> <laughs> you and you, you you're doing emojis on your chromebook all the time like that yeah, just, yeah that's what it is <laughs> fully an emoji you'll be, I, you'll be you have a, right next to my seven-year-old this all right he'll he'll be eight then he'll be eight then let's be fair <laughs> all right <laughs> all right um so is that it are we the, ending this that, i haven't yeah, stopped I, yet am I, I supposed to i i drew it to a close oh. i yeah, I, she I did, did her my, job. I did my thing. You, you I did, did my do job. Your job. We're supposed to promote I, the YouTube channel. Watch the whole video on YouTube. We're going to do another. Natalie and I are going to talk for probably under half an hour. Of this under. Under. Half an hour. I haven't under had dinner. I haven't, hour I haven't had time. dinner yet, and it's like nine thirty, and I'm hungry. Yeah, I know. I know. So uh, you check that out on the Patreon page at patreon.com/slash tse podcast. And uh, yeah, hey, thanks, thanks a lot, guys, for joining us. Thanks for having us on. And of course, no episode would be complete without thanking our patrons. They help us do cool things like send Natalie to QED, which I think she's either about to board the flight for right now or is on the flight or or maybe something really cool that I don't even know about right now. But if you want to get access to early versions of the episode, commercial-free versions of all the episodes, plus all the bonus content we make, you can make a donation at patreon.com slash podcast and uh, get all that stuff immediately, including a patron-only RSS feed, uh, just like Trevor and Nathan and Ryan and Alice and Cynthia and Michael and Frank and Jeff and Michael and Lizzie in the lab and Magnus and Savannah and Felix and Chris and Michael and Michael and Joe and Sarah and Josue have done. And we are incredibly grateful for that. And because Natalie has abandoned me for this uh, closing segment here, I guess I have to hit you with a quote of the week. Confidence in what you do is crucial, but that does not mean being delusional. You must always face the truth and then combat the obstacles as they appear. And that is Diane von Furstenberg. So thanks guys for listening and we'll see you next week or you'll listen to us or whatever medium you consume this through. The music you heard tonight was written and performed by Adam Johnson and was used with his permission. You can contact Adam at adamjohnsondc at gmail.com. This podcast is property of Not Narrow or Straight LLC, all rights reserved.